Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. I just want to pray for the word briefly as we get into things. Father, we're so thankful for your presence in this place. Oh, Lord, you are so good to us. And it is such a joy to be here together and to be with you. And we humbly come. Let me ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, lead us into your truth. We humbly come and say, Lord, we, we desire to be more like Christ, Lord. And we ask even today that your will will be done in through us and that your kingdom will come in and through us and that your name would be lifted up in this place today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Great. I'm going to read a very well-known account of uh, one of Jesus' miracles. So just hang in there. Don't switch off because you know it, okay? Um, Let's start here. I'm going to read actually from two Gospels to cover the account from John 6, from 5. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, it's obviously a practically minded person, already made the sums in his head, even if we worked for months, we couldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. What good is it that, but, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. And so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So if you extrapolate that, you reckon maybe there was at least one, one woman and maybe one or two children for each man. That's quite a bunch of people to serve lunch to. If Anna, my wife, if she hears something like that, she, she gets nervous because she wants to wants to feed people. Any case, <clears throat> let's go on from Matthew uh, 6.35. And when it grew late, just going back a bit again, when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. So it's probably dinner then. Send them away to go into surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give, them, give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do, do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. And he com- commanded them to, to all sit down in groups on the green grass. And they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. So this is a well-known account of one of Jesus' miracles. And uh, I want us to look at a, just, you know, it's still beginning of the year, and uh, I want us to look at a couple of principles around this that, I, that really encouraged me Firstly, um, we see something here between, there's an there's a interesting dynamic. Jesus 
Firstly, <clears throat> he recognizes the need of the people, right? And, uh, and then he, he kind of tests the disciples and says, listen, you know, what do you think? How are we going to meet this need? And they all go in a flat spin and they, they know what to do. Um, and I just want to mention this at the beginning before I forget, but there were other options that day. Can you see this? It it doesn't it didn't you know the disciples didn't have to feed them technically. Technically they could have sent the people and said, Listen, good luck, find something, hope for the best. So technically there were other options. Um I'll get back to that a bit later. And then we see this interesting dynamic and um years ago I heard Reinhard Bonker speak about this parable and he uh, this story and he, he called this the the crisis of faith or a faith crisis and uh, I was encouraged by what he said about it and did you, did you know he passed away in December Reinhard Bonker um, I was impacted greatly by his life and his ministry and what God did through his life and uh, and actually in, in last year he was in South Africa and he was preaching at Loftus and at a conference and I was very um, privileged to go and see and I, and I thought sure I, I don't think he's going to be in South Africa again so I took my elders to along to Loftus to go and see and to experience that kind of ministry and uh, I, was so, I was so encouraged by their response so Abigail my eight year old she we were praying for people before and it's explained you know it's just like church we're trusting for many people to be saved we, this is why we come here not to be entertained, you know, we, we're here because we want people to know Christ. And when people responded to the altar call, thousands and thousands, she was overwhelmed. She said, my heart is going to explode. She was trying to explain how she felt. Anyways, it was so precious. Um, but did you know that in his 79 years, the organization he, start, he started up to now, they have reached 79 million people recorded decisions for Christ. That's, that's the ones that were written down. So technically it could be more. I don't know about you, I'm a few, few million behind. Um, so it's, I find that very challenging. But um, hallelujah. Uh, and he, so he calls us the crisis of faith. That place where we get a, a command from Christ, right? We get an instruction from Jesus feed the people, or we see the need, then he distributes the, the food among the disciples, right? So now each of them, he can make the sums, each of them has like less than half a loaf and a little piece of fish, right? This is where the pawpaw hits the fan, because now I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm walking towards my group of 50 or 100 that I'm going to have to feed. And this doesn't take rocket science to know this, this is not going to go well. These people are hungry. This is not enough. This is not a, Are you with me? This is, this is the crisis part. Jesus has said what I have to do. He's given me something. But clearly Jesus isn't so good at math because this, this, this doesn't make any sense. And now they're approaching the group. Maybe 
if I'm Peter or one of the guys, I'm maybe hungry myself. The temptation is there. Duck around the corner. Just make sure I get fed. That moment between receiving the command and the provision, the initial provision, and then that place where you actually start to do what Christ said. Because that's where the miracle happened. That's how I imagine it. As they were handing it out, like, okay, well, there's more now. Oh, there's more now. But how many, um, um, this is what challenged me, how many God-given dreams, commands, visions, ministries, ideas, die in that space? How many world-changing plans, community-transforming visions and ideas and dreams die in that space between Oh dear, this is no way this is going to work. Somebody else can do it. <coughs> All right? There are other options. Somebody, I'm surely somebody can meet this need. Because this is, doesn't make any sense. I, I think there's a lot of what God tells us to do that doesn't happen because of that, that space. Between the, when the miracle starts to happen. <clears throat> and between us receiving from Christ. Are you with me? And, uh, you know, that, what is that guy that said that um, cemetery is the most, it's the richest place in town because of all the unfulfilled dreams, all the unreached potential and everything that corporations that weren't started and the companies and the whatever, the ministries and all the potential that's there in the ground that was never fulfilled. So this is my challenge to us today is how do we handle that crisis? How do we handle that, that tension between receiving the command and what seems like insufficient provision, what seems like mm, nope, not going to work scenario and how, between that point of actually walking in obedience? <coughs> Um, and so what happens is the, the enemy convinces us that this is a non-starter. Don't even, don't even go there. Those guys are going to be upset with you because you don't have enough food. And, you know, I don't know, South Africa, that makes sense. If the guys are hungry, you know, I don't know. When I'm, there must be enough. <laughs> no, but uh, so, so the enemy manages to convince us that... Maybe you didn't hear right. Maybe it wasn't God speaking to you. Because surely this can't work. Maybe, you know, maybe it's somebody else's job to meet this need that you've noticed. Maybe this, con- this thing that's on your heart, maybe that you can pray for it. <laughs> this is not a bad thing. Please pray. Like we do our homework, apparently, to pray. But somehow he convinces us to not start, to not walk in obedience to what God has said. It's quite quiet in here. Are you right? Are you with me? (coughs) So he says to us, what you have is not enough. And And now you need to apply this to your situation. 
maybe it's your studies, maybe it's a, a work challenge that you're facing. <clears throat> I felt specifically that there are some parents here this morning that sometimes you feel, I don't have what it takes to be a godly parent 24-7. And, uh, and this is uh, something I've noticed that the enemy manages to lie at moms, lie to moms a lot about. Moms specifically, that you inadequate. The enemy says to you, you're not enough for your children. So I want to just point out that lie this morning. Expose it. Amen? It's not the truth. The truth is that you are God's plan A for your children. There's no better parent for your children than you right now. Amen? So I just want to expose that lie. We're going to pray about that later. As we, as parents, come before him in humility, as we humble ourselves, his grace is truly sufficient. Even in our greatest weakness as parents, his grace abounds. Okay? So whether it be in your work situation or your studies, whether it be a financial challenge or whatever that thing is that doesn't make any sense, that doesn't kind of feel possible, I want to encourage you this morning to to look at what God has provided and to trust Him to do the miracle that seems so impossible. <clears throat> at the moment, I think a lot of us, one of the most precious things that we have that we struggle to part with is time. So we might even be in a position to, to see a need youth camp or something, a needy family in my street or whatever the situation, and to, to plug, plug some cash into that hole and say, okay, great, praise the Lord, I've done my bit. But I want to challenge you this morning. <clears throat> if you are noticing a need, and it could be a variety of different things, if you're noticing something, it means that, it, it's weird, I've noticed this in years of ministry, we don't notice the same things, we don't notice the same needs. I would, I would walk into a church um, or into a ministry environment, I would notice specific things, and my colleague Philip would notice completely different things, because we are gifted differently, we Wired differently, and God speaks to us about different things. Amen. So, if you're noticing something, I want to suggest that the Holy Spirit is stirring something in your heart for a reason because I might not notice that at all. So, I want to challenge us that what are those things that God is stirring at the beginning of this year? What are those things that He has been stirring, and we've kind of been dodging for some reason or other? What is the thing that, that he's stirring in terms of the need that you've noticed or challenge that you've seen or ministry opportunity? or what? It could be something small, that colleague at work that looks depressed, that needs a friend. It could be something like that as well. Yes, I mean, maybe the other colleagues that can be his friend, right? Great. Hallelujah. <laughs> but if you are noticing that, I want to say God is stirring something in your heart. Are you with me? Hallelujah. 
So time is a big one. I don't know about you, you know, especially when there's children around, it's just, you just want to survive, eh? Just want to make it there. It's like going shopping with three little kids. Have you tried that? We're just coming out of that now, so it's getting better. But there was a time with shopping with three children as a, as a, a one parent. Two parents we can handle, but one parent with three children shopping, it's an extreme sport. I tell you this. It's not for the faint heart. What my, my strategy is, it was, it is I get a, the largest trolley I can find. I put all of them in the trolley, which obviously limits the shopping capacity. Okay, I'll give you that. But I, I try and keep them confined in that space there. Then I have some chance of actually getting something done. My kids are amazing, actually. I, mean, I don't want to deceive you here. They're actually they're really great, and they're really obedient. I mean, don't, but still, they are lively. Okay. Um, what, what was I going to say about that? Okay, so most days we just we just want to make it. Okay, I don't. Want, I just want to get through this day. I, I'm not thinking about the needs. I'm I'm more like Gee, Lord. Like if I can make it to this evening in one piece, and I want to encourage us that when we start to engage with the Lord with the little things, God, I, this day is just too much but I'm giving you what I have. Please do a miracle today. Those small victories lead us into the bigger ones. Amen? And they grow our capacity to, they grow our capacity to trust God for the real impossibilities that He is laying before us. Those, those impossibilities that will change the city. Amen? Change this nation. <clears throat> So what is that? So the time is a big one, right? I want to challenge you, especially, I know the Gauteng vibe, the time is a big thing, right? I want to encourage you. What is God stirring? And you thinking, maybe the budget is looking okay, but the time is a problem. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to feed these people. I don't have time to visit that, that guy. <laughs> I don't have time to be a friend to that colleague. It's just not happening. The other day I was doing some last minute shopping before we went to farm and um, visit some family. Running around. You know it is the day before you leave. And um, David was with me. Only one child. You see? Much more manageable. And he's a what a blessing. In any case, so he was with me and uh, doing our thing. Looking for something from my aunt. Something very specific and weird in particular which I couldn't find. But in any case... So we were going from shop to shop, and uh, I was in this one shop, and as I was paying for a possible alternative to the weird thing my aunt was looking for, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about the lady at the till. So this happens to me, and, uh, and I always have a choice, right? Not no time now. I'm, you know, I'm already pressed. This is the last day. We, you know, so much still has to happen, right? Can you see... Surely somebody else can can do this better. Amen? Yeah? That happens. So there's a choice there. And I thought, no, let's just... So I said to listen, I feel... I said, do you have a son? And I just feel God is telling me, you're very concerned about your son. You're very worried. And you could see her face like... And um, I said, I'd really like to pray for you. 
And she said, it's fine, she wants to just help this one customer. And there was a moment that was, was quite quiet and uh, went to the one side. And she, I thought maybe this, she's got a son that's off the rails or whatever, you know. I didn't say that, luckily. But uh, it turns out that she just a couple of months ago given birth to a boy. And her being HIV positive had her extremely concerned, obviously, about his health. And she was in a state. And I just could encourage her with what I felt God saying. And then David and I laid hands on her and we prayed for her and for her boy. Um, and it was short, it was five minutes. But still, there was that moment where I thought, oh, no. but that day God met with that lady. Amen. How easy would it have been to just shrug it off, ignore, the Bible calls it quench, Holy Spirit. And, in, and what also encouraged me was David was able to do it with me, and we were able to pray together. He's only grade one, he's six, but he understood what was happening, and we chat about it afterwards. But there was there's the tension between Lorna, no, just no, not now. So I want to encourage, I want to challenge us about the time thing. If God is stirring something, then pray it through. Lord, then do a miracle with the time. If time is an issue, then let Lord do a miracle with the time. Amen. I found there's many, you know, ministry has lots of challenges, places a lot of time constraints on us. So I try to take the family along as long as much as possible. This just freaks people out as well. We went to Lesotho once uh, on a mission. It was only a short one, long weekend one. But that was interesting. The kids were like, where's the toilet? It's like, no. <laughs> no, no. Uh, where's the taps? No, no taps. And anyway, a great experience for them. Uh, and then last year we went to Live Village on a mission together. It was amazing. But how easy would it have been just to say, you, you know, that's very inconvenient, taking children on mission trips? Because I promise you it's not convenient. And I want to say, I've completely lost my notes now, but that's a fine, eh? So, actually, let's read, let's read some of the scriptures. Zechariah 4. I have to start closing. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Just take that first step. Give that bread to that first guy. And see God start the miracle happening in your hands. In your hands. Do the first step. And for, for many of us, the first step, we're overwhelmed. We may be even overwhelmed in terms of your own spiritual growth or your perceived lack of it and I want to encourage you start with something in house start with in church start with in small group Lord if I, if you see a need or I can put I can just serve somewhere I can just be faithful with something small in house that's a great place just to grow in that to say yo actually God can do miracles with that this little bit that he has given to me it's actually it's enough of a seed for him to do amazing things. Amen? So it's the beginning of the year. 
There's lots of ministries happening, lots of opportunities to get involved. I want to encourage you. Start with a, with a couple of minutes. Start with something and see God do that miracle. Don't despise that small beginning. Don't, don't say, no, the, the need is so big, I don't, I'm not even going to start. Start with something small in that direction. Are you with me? Matthew 25 and 21. And the master was full of praise. Well done. My good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So he's all into us being faithful with little things. Amen? With the small victories, the small bit steps of obedience, the, the little bits, so that he can take us to the, the ones that seem bigger to us, but they're the same to God. Amen? So he's faithful in those things. And he gives us the grace to be faithful as well. Ephesians 5 talks about the time element. I'm rushing through the scriptures now. Verse 15, he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. How, how does that look like? What does that look like as wise people? He says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. He knew about the Gauteng rush. He knew about that stuff. He said, guys, don't be unwise with your time. Make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, there we go. This is challenging for me. How often do I fill time? Even though I feel I don't have any time, I fill time with stuff that's of zero eternal value. I'm not, taking, I'm not saying you shouldn't rest at all, but rest productively. <laughs> Understand what the will of God is. And redeem, another scripture says, and the translation says, redeem the time. Grab a hold of that opportunity. So he was aware that time is going to be an issue. I mean, make the best use of the time. Be good stewards. So as we face needs and opportunities and challenges, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. This promise, I, I, I stand on this one a lot. Amen? Because there's a lot of stuff out there that God wants us to. It feels like there's a lot of good works to be done. But He promises that whatever He calls us to do, there will be an abundance for that. So, the, uh, you know, Peter didn't have the advantage of having this scripture when he was walking towards this, <laughs> that first group of 50 or 100. But we do. He says, I will give you an abundance for every good work I've prepared beforehand for you to walk in. There will be an abundance. Amen. He's gone before us. So, just to get back to the, the little boy with the five loaves and two fish. It's not a lot, right? So, in the bigger scheme of things, that's not much. But for him, on that day, that was all that he had. Everything he got. That challenges me. It's like that the widow... With the two coins, or what? 
a little bit. And Jesus said, look at that one. So, I don't know, about, I don't know what age this boy was. But there were, I remember a time when I was a boy where I was very attached to my lunch. Actually, not much has changed, to be honest. But the, <laughs> it seems like my mom was completely at the end of herself because it was just, no, I just keep, kept on eating all day. Any case, so uh, there's just this, uh, this just hollow. She was just convinced that was hollow for all the way. So can you imagine this guy? This is probably his lunch that his mom packed for him. And this was not convenient for him to give this. Can you see that? It's not convenient. It's not nice. It's not pleasant. But he gave everything. He gave sacrificially. I want to read from Psalm 126. I need to close almost. Uh, from verse 3, he says, Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Sowing is not easy. Sowing is uncomfortable. It's painful. It costs us something. But what a joy when we have the harvest. Can you imagine the party in heaven when Reinhard Bonker arrives and there are millions there already that are there because of the gospel spoken out of his mouth. I, I just can't imagine even. That's a joy. But there's a cost. It's not comfortable. There's a cost. It's not convenient. He says he will, he will provide seed for sowing and bread for eating. Sometimes we're concerned that there's not enough to sow and to eat. At the end of this miracle, how many baskets of food? Twelve. For twelve disciples and their families. Eh? I, I don't know, maybe that's coincidence. I'm thinking when God makes when when we step out in faith. He makes sure that there's enough for us. I mean, when we step out in obedience. So yes, there will be sacrificial giving of time and resources and of ourselves. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable at times. Yes, for this little boy, we think, oh, what, what did he give? But he gave his lunch. He gave what he had. And for that boy, I think that must have been a big deal. So I want to challenge us. Sowing and responding to that, that commission, responding to that need, responding to that stirring in our hearts, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable, convenient. I don't know, guys. All society around us seems to be shaped around convenience these days. It must, must be convenient, you know? This is not convenient. But I want to challenge us that without the tears, will there be joy in eternity? Without the, the cost and the sowing, we can't expect a harvest. 
Amen? But He is making an abundance of provision for every, every good work. And we work not for a temporal reward, but for an eternal one. That's where we have our eyes on. And this, to be honest, is challenging as a parent. You know, have you noticed how we happen to do this often? Let me not put this on you. I do this. I'll ask them, how was your day? Did you have a, an Afrikaans say, a lekker dag? How was school? Was it lekker? I know, somebody challenged me at the other side, but they deliberately don't ask that because it makes the kids think that everything must be lekker. It, it, we train our kids. We say to them, did you have a great day at school? Was it enjoyable? Was it fun? As if those are the most important things. But they're not. And I was like, I have to change the way I talk. because. So I asked them, I said, tell me what was tough today. Was there anything tough? How did you handle it? Because this tough stuff, is, life is not just lacquer. Amen? <laughs> no amens on that one, sorry. But, um, so it's not just about lacquer and convenient. So I'm... Um, David is the only grade one. He's six years old. He has the, the new boy in class is sitting next to him. So I ask him every day, how's he doing? How's the new boy? The one that doesn't have any friends. How's he doing? I challenge him. How are you gonna how are you gonna be his friend? And he's he's so funny, he's absolutely atrocious with names. It's ridiculous. We laugh a lot. Any case, but um Emily, on the other hand, is four years old. She can tell you everybody in her class's name, all the new kids and their brothers and sisters, and at least their mom's name. I'm not joking. It's unbelievable. So the other day we thought we're going to catch her out because her one friend's got two boys in high school, two um, siblings in high school. They're like, so I asked, what, what is that one's, I can't even remember the girl's name. What is her siblings' names? And she named them like this. David is the opposite. Okay. So he's, he loved his teacher from last year. And the other asked him, what was your teacher from last year's name? He's like, hmm. <laughs> Any case, so I said, what's that boy that, that's new in class, that one next to you? Uh, but he actually remembered his name because there was another Marku also in his class. But I challenged him. I said to him, how's he doing? Have you, have you invited him to play with you at school? The point I'm making is that it's not all about the lacquer and the convenient. It's about what, like, you, like uh, we just read, what is the will of, understand what the will of God is and redeem the time. Understand what the will of God is. Recognize His provision. And I challenge us, often that, that provision is only initial provision. It's not all of it. I mean, He doesn't just give us all of it at once. Just, just for the first step. Don't stop in the first step. Because it looks like this is not going to make it. Trust. Do make the first, take the first steps. And know that his provision will come. When we were starting off here, what time do you guys end church? Like two o'clock or something. <laughs> so we were starting here, um, it was 13 odd years ago. We were both in our 20s. Uh, we were married for three weeks. And uh, in hindsight, <laughs> this, is, this is crazy, but this is probably w- what should challenge us. 
If somebody, if I had to face me today, that me, and I would probably say, no, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Planting a church at at that age, being married for three weeks. No, you know what? That doesn't sound right to me. Just, you know, go somewhere, go serve someone under under another pastor, whatever. I would praise the Lord we had a bit of faith with whatever God put in our hands. But what what I was actually going to say is that, and I didn't have work, and a junior pastor's salary at that point was um, an amazing blessing. Amen? (laughs) And uh, so there were some months where... (laughs) <laughs> there were some months where we started after all the stuff comes off. You know that all those SMSs you get on the 31st and the 1st, those are ridiculous SMSs, and they just keep coming. So after all of that stuff went off, we had like 100, 200 bucks in the account. No jokes. So we saw miracles those months. It was amazing. And there was a time when the Lord convicted me severely. Um, about having medical aid. I said, Lord, look at this, this, you know, there's no way, it's not going to happen. And then stuff happened, and I ignored it, and then stuff happened, and the Lord spoke to me clearly, and and anyway, convicted me, take out medical aid for your wife, you're now a husband, you know, be responsible. So I was like, all right. Did the admin found the most cheapest possible hospital plan on the planet, and as I was signing that document, I was signing for more money to be going out of my account than was coming in. Can you see that that's a problem? I was actually thinking, is this legal? Can you, is this legal to do this? Because I'm, I'm committing to pay something that I, no, I didn't even have an overdraft. Anyway, so by the time the first payment came out of my account, and I had found a job and received a first salary. God is faithful. Amen? He makes provision. So when we are in obedience, when we walk in obedience, even when the provision seems to be not there yet, He provides in time. There's an abundance for every good work. There's a couple of things I felt specifically in my heart to pray about. Uh, Firstly, I believe there's some people here that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Maybe reminding you of a need that you've noticed or stirring something in your heart right now. And I want to encourage you, write it down, but don't ignore it. Amen? And there are some uh, Holy Spirit, this might be a little bit uncomfortable, but the Holy Spirit is reminding you of something that He's spoken to you about some time ago. But it was not possible. It was there was no time, or there was no money. And I want to. If the Holy Spirit is reminding you of something now, please pray through. Or pray with it with your small group about it, or pray with your wife or your husband about it. But don't just pass it on to not going to happen. Somebody else's job. Okay. And I felt there's a few specific people. So there's. I felt there's. A, a, at least, um, or maybe one or two moms here that it's going, been going up and down, and there have been challenges, and it's been a right, and it's been hectic. But at the moment, maybe even these last two weeks, it's just gone completely crazy. And I feel 
that there's maybe someone that's completely overwhelmed at the moment. And I just feel the Lord wants to just meet you in that place of chaos. And I, I feel He wants to encourage you and He wants to lift you up and He wants to bless you. So I would really like to pray with you at the end. Um, and I feel there's some married, married folk here this morning that the enemy has been telling you that yeah, you're no good as a husband or wife. You don't, you don't measure up, especially around these Christian people. They all seem to have it all together, perfect marriages, and you just can't reach that bar. That's nonsense, by the way. <laughs> you must come visit us for a weekend and see how sparks fly sometimes. But um, I just feel God wants to speak into that, that husband or wife, and that that marriage and into your heart that he has anointed you and he has empowered you by his spirit and you are once again you are God's plan A for your family Amen. so if that's you I'd like to pray for you also there's, there's somebody here that's um, really wrestling with confusion in your mind in your thoughts it's as if um, it's all over the place and you're really struggling to hear God's voice and you're really struggling to focus uh, um, I don't know the context but I just feel this just chaos in confusion in your thoughts and I feel the Lord wants to just minister into that area I mean he's a God of order um, and I just feel these doubts and confusion so if that's you please be bold and come to the front um, and then I was really encouraged by something I heard from Lisa Bevere this, this uh, week that I want to encourage you with. And, uh, she, and, it, and it's, it's maybe part of one of, the, it's one of the reasons we don't obey God. And that is when, when we, because of our past, we feel justified because of what has been done to us, what we've suffered in our past, we feel justified that I can't, I can't be obedient, or I'm I, I'm justified to act in this way because of what's been done to me in the past. So we use that as a, although it's understandable, although we need to deal with the hurt and the pain from the past, it's as if we often miss what God wants to do because we are hiding behind that stuff. And I feel I just want to encourage you with what she said, and what she said was, what was done for us is so much greater than it was done to us. Amen. So whatever you've suffered in the past, know that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is so much greater. His provision in the cross paid for all of that. Eclipses all of that. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we're so thankful for your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you know every heart. You know every situation. You know what you've stood in our hearts, and you know what has kept us from walking in obedience. You know what has kept us from stepping out in faith. And we humbly come and we say, Lord, please forgive us. We have quenched your spirit. 
please forgive us. We, we've rationalized all the reasons why it's not possible. In Jesus' name, we are thank you, Lord, today for faith to rise on our inside, in our hearts. Faith to rise, to know that as we step out, that you will do the miracle, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you stir in us, Lord, a capacity and a desire to sow, even when it's tough, even when it's difficult, even when it's inconvenient, and especially when it costs us something. Thank you, Lord, that you give us grace and that you make an abundance available for every good work. And I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, Lord, that as we sow in tears, we know that there will be joy in the harvest. So we commit ourselves to you. We commit this church family to you this year, Lord. Lord, let your kingdom come. In every sphere, in every area, in every place we put our feet, Lord. Where we see needs, Lord, let your kingdom come, Lord. Where we see hearts in need for your love. Lord, let us step into that gap, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, even this week, open our eyes. As even as we sang earlier, open our eyes to see. Open our eyes to see your glory. Open our eyes to recognize what you're calling us to sow. And thank you that you've made a way in Jesus' name. Let your name be glorified. And thank you that you are faithful to finish the good work that you started in us and through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.